Welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bose. I'm with Trish Steve. Trish, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I am well, Trish. Why don't you tell our listeners where we're at while we record today's episode? Well, I'm excited to say where we are. We're actually at Ceridian Insights in Las Vegas at the Lovely Wynn Hotel. And we've got some big announcements to share with everyone. I, I'm just going to tease. That might be the last time I get to say that. So I still, I feel special, right, with the show title. It's fantastic. And this is a lovely place. And if we had more time, we would talk and in at depth about how the Wynn Hotel takes care of its guests, uh, especially with um, regards to their canine units, which we had a chance to spend some time with yesterday. Like these are like the explosive sniffing dogs. There's a whole team of them here at the Wynn. They're probably like the top team that do this sort of thing, like anywhere in Las Vegas, certainly. Maybe anywhere in the world for all I know. That was pretty incredible. It was really fun. And just to be able to take, you know, animals that you normally see working. We've done shows about working animals before, right? With the Clydesdales or with the Gentle Barn. Oh, the Clydesdales were fun. And now to see working dogs and then appreciate both what they're doing for you behind the scenes as a guest in the hotel. I definitely, I love the win anyway. It is my favorite. And now it's actually absolutely my favorite because of all the things that go on behind the scenes. All right. We will cover all of that on our other podcast, like Working Dogs Today. We are here (laughs) to talk with Lee Turner, co-CEO of, dare I say, formerly Ceridian. But let's talk about the news in a second. Lee, how are you? Great to see you. I'm very well. And it's just such a huge pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you so much. And we can talk all about that news if you want. Yeah, I think we should at least start there. And then we want to get into some of your story and some of the Ceridian story, which is quite incredible, right? We got a little business briefing yesterday from some of the execs and uh, phenomenal progress, phenomenal innovation. But big news, kind of the lead is uh, a a new identity for the company. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's both new and not new. Um, I think you guys probably know all too well, and do your and your listeners would as well. The Dayforce has always been our product, right? And it lived inside the four walls of this wonderful company called Ceridian. And that happened in 2012. And between 2012 and today, in effect, if you can kind of imagine it physically, Dayforce grew inside those four walls to such an extent that it became what we are. And um, and this is just our opportunity to say, that's what we do every single day. 100% of the company is focused on building a great product that serves the needs of the HR community at large, that recognizes that the world is changing so dramatically and that no one can keep up. And we took a real responsibility for trying to help people do that. And this is a declaration that that's like what we wake up every single day caring about. That's that's what we're saying. I appreciate that you're sharing that it's it's your identity and it's not just a brand, you know, change, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just a name change. It's who you are. And I think it more accurately describes for anyone who comes to your events or interacts with your employees on a daily basis, I think they would describe the feeling of day force is what it's actually more aligned with. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. And I would say we knew that it was time to make this change when people, our customers and potential customers started saying, well, day force this and day force that. I'm like, gosh, why don't we just tell everybody that that's what we care about? We care about it because it matters to them. We care about it because we take a responsibility for making their work life better. And that's what our people do every day. So let's just get clear about that. 
Yeah. Well, we're obviously here at your event, so we want to hear all about some of just the other announcements, right? Because, I mean, taking notes, as Steve mentioned, we were in a briefing yesterday. I, I think I have five or six pages of notes yeah. with photos of every single announcement. You've, you've all been busy, first of all, but I'd love to take it back to 2018. I remember they introduced you, <laughs> right? You were new to the company. And and year after year, I've sort of tracked, you have certain aspirations and, and goals as a business leader, um, kind of coming into a new company. So in a short five, now almost six years, right? The whole world has changed. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to just hear your perspective on what that was like coming in to Ceridian at that time and how things have really morphed and evolved for you as a leader. It's a great question. Um, here's what I'll say. Um, I joined Ceridian in 2018 because I believe that what is happening right now was possible. And by that, I don't just mean that we could build a great product or we could build a great team or that we could globalize the business. I believe those things. Mm -hmm. um, but I also believed that technology didn't serve people in the way that it should. Companies weren't as aligned as perhaps they could have been. The world of work wasn't really working and I can explain that like in a detailed way. I can even do it in a very personal way. I mean, I'm a mom of two children and I've worked in technology for 30 years mm -hmm. and I spent an inordinate amount of time on airplanes and in offices, but I'm a hard worker and I care about the forward movement of the business. I could have been trusted not to do as much of that and spend as much time away from my family as I did. Um, and I always believed that there was going to be a better way. And, um, you know, we ran headlong into an accelerant called the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But it taught us that trusting our people isn't about seeing them. It's about having a really bold vision, understanding the world in which we operate in every company that we operate in, caring about our customers, regardless of what company we operate in, and giving people full autonomy through trust and alignment leveraged by technology in order to be able to do their jobs. And if people come into an office, it's because they want to build community. It's because they care about one another and they want to spend time together. They shouldn't have to sacrifice their lives to do that. And we could all see, even pre-pandemic, that that was true. We could. We knew it. And now we have a real opportunity to be like a platform that allows that to be true. And I think that that's just like this most remarkable generational opportunity. That, I love that you shared that. That really hits me as a parent as well, because when I think of all the times that I stayed and worked 60, 70, even 80 hour work weeks, making sure that, you know, all of the HR implementations were happening and everyone was getting paid and benefits and all the things. And now when I watch any demo of Dayforce, those things that took literally weeks to get done are done in a minute or less, mm -hmm. sometimes just mere seconds. How does that impact you now sort of seeing it come to fruition? Is that, you've got to be immensely proud, I would imagine, just to be a part of this. Thank you for saying so. Look, I, I feel very proud that, I feel proud of the team and I feel proud of their willingness to listen uh, to our customers uh, and to learn from them. Like, that's what makes a great company, right? Yeah. So, you know, here's what's really going on, I think. Um, although you will have far 
broader perspective than I would. We're, we're working in a difficult macro environment. Let's be honest. There's a huge amount of pressure on every company on planet Earth as a result. As a result, if you want to continue to perform, you have to look for efficiency. That's the bottom line. And so efficiency means you make the best use of your biggest asset, which is your people. And people have globalized their talent pools. They're far further distributed than they've ever been. Talent is augmented in ways that it never was, i.e. we have full-time, part-time, uh, temporary gig workers in our workforce augmenting our full-time employees. And let's call it agility, uh, elasticity of the way that work gets done and its globalness I don't think is going away ever, ever, ever. I hope it doesn't because I think this is a far better way to work. And in addition, over the course of the last decade, technology companies have amalgamated huge amounts of data. Now, it is critically important. It's our number one responsibility, actually, that that data is leveraged with trust. But if we leverage it accurately, we can take all the heavy, burdensome weight out of work and we can use the number one most important thing in any company, it's people, for higher purpose. And that's what Dayforce does. Yeah, and that's, Elise, that's, thank you for that. And that's what we saw when we saw some of the new innovations, specifically around just tools to help people right. make decisions faster, surface information faster. I always tell the story about, like, the hardest working person in almost every organization, in my opinion, is the payroll manager, oh, yeah. right? And so I remember working at this college for a long time and our payroll manager, she was a saint. I'm, I'm, but she worked crazy hours all the time on the weekends. She never stopped working, right? Because it was we didn't have really great systems to support her. And yeah. that job's so important, too, yeah. by the way. And I, I know the day four story is much bigger than just payroll, but even some of the demonstrations we saw of some of the new innovations around making that process just easier, more efficient, surfacing anomalies, right? Driving people not only to get things done faster and more efficiently so that they can spend more time, right, with their families, as you said, Lee, but also to spend more time on the, the higher value add things yeah, in support of their employees. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that, right? Gen AI and AI in general, right, is the thing, right? Everybody, we've talked about it 15,000 times already this year, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I think you guys are approaching it certainly a little bit more thoughtfully maybe than most. You're not just slapping it in there to say we have it, it seems to me. There is no question that we all talk about generative AI like it's like this brand new thing. It's been built over time. And companies that understood that data was like the real superpower to human beings, like that would make their lives better, have been trying to figure out how to leverage that for decades. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. Has it accelerated? there's some new technology that actually makes it slightly different sure yeah but leveraging huge amounts of data in order to be able to better ease the way that work gets done it's not a new phenomenon so we've been at it for a really long time and uh it's the reason that on a dime we're out here talking about all these I'll call it autonomous tools or tools that leverage generative AI as a co-pilot. And we're able to do it. The reason we're able to do it is because we've been hard at work at it forever. 
And so I'll give you a couple examples. You actually raised a great one. I mean, the hardest working person in any company is the payroll manager. I, often, for sure, right? Yeah. We like to think with Dayforce that their lives were made easier, but I will give you an example of something that makes their lives even easier, which is um, Dayforce co-pilot for our autonomous payroll engine, which we announced in detail tomorrow, actually scans the pay for the payroll submission mm -hmm. well in advance of anybody committing anything to make sure that any errors that might be found are found well prior to a human being finding them. And can you imagine, like not only could that take time out of their work day, mm -hmm. but it will take stress out of their work day as well. And to your point, they can go do higher order things. Like human beings are different than data and technology for a reason. They're meant to connect with real people, have real conversations about real things that move a business forward. And if they're busy stressing and overworking detail that could be surveyed by technology and made eliminated as a result of the technology, makes everybody better and more powerful. And that is so huge. I know people that are listening to this episode are going to be relating to that, Lee, because I was that person sitting there having to sign off on payroll. And many times my ma payroll manager would be going through it. And then in it, I'm talking about reams of paper and I'm like flipping through and it took hours. I'd be away from my my children and my husband. And it takes a toll on your life. And you're right. The stress that comes with that responsibility you cannot mess people's pay up. No question. So to even, I mean, I'm talking just like seven or eight years ago. I mean, to have that, it's mind blowing to me as a former HR leader to know that if I would have had that, I might not have left HR, quite honestly, you know, because that was one of the most stressful aspects of managing a company. No question. I mean, there's other ones mm -hmm. too, right? Like we all spend spent uh, tremendous amounts of time reviewing CVs or grading JDs yes. or uh, trying to assess what the talent pool really was. This can be made autonomous. Wow. And so what happens when that is surfaced for you in your day job without you having to apply your RAM to it? You can spend more time getting to know the people that have been put in front of you yeah. and assess whether or not they're the right fit for your business. I mean, it's wonderful. It will make everything that we do faster, and it will allow us to apply our minds to the biggest problems, not the smallest ones. Right. I have one follow-up question for you. Um, we were, we're talking a lot about generative AI. We're a week away from HR Technology Conference. There are going to be a ton of companies of all sizes talking about it, yeah. and, and it's a bolted-on, add-on sort of a feature as opposed to what I know we've heard here, which is that is infused. You alluded to that already, that it's in every part of Dayforce. Yeah. I would love for you to elaborate on that a little bit, if you could, and talk to the HR leaders or business leaders listening about the data security, because you all are, as Steve mentioned, a very thoughtful approach to keeping their data secure. And there are other companies who are not taking those steps. Yeah, I think it's a great question, and it all roots back to one single thing, which is Dayforce is a platform. So what does that mean? It means that payroll and workforce management and talent and succession are all built on exactly the same data store with one single code base. That's it. And so when that is true from its origin, I mean, you have to remember, right? We're actually a really young company. 
And it's part of the reason that Dayforce as a brand matters so much. It says 10 years ago, this was imagined. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the last 10 years, it's been created. It's different because it wasn't born in 2005 or in 1995. It's new. Yeah. And As a result, we could construct it from its origin different than anybody else imagined. And as a result of that, the data that is in that data store is consistent. It's error-free. It tells us about a whole person, not about how they got paid, but not where they worked, or not about where they worked, but whether or not we value their skills today or need to retrain them tells us everything and as a result of that you can secure it it's one single data store we're not talking about interconnections or written integrations into adjunct technologies that have been acquired or bolted on it's one single thing yeah, and that's Lee. Thank you for that. That's a really underrated, right, uh, point that's often overlooked in kind of um, evaluations of technology, certainly implementations of technology. Right? It's very easy uh, to get caught up in this new thing or an exciting new solution that does one little thing that that it does right, and it's it's great and it's cool and it looks great and it's brand new, and then you come to find well. How do we get all of our employee data and the hierarchy and the security and role-based access control and all the things you need, right, in in a secure HR system working in these myriad of other systems, right, that many companies come to acquire over the years? So having that single source of truth, that single data model, that one unified platform, I've been an advocate for that for small, medium, and large business forever since I've been doing this. And it's, it's a huge benefit and it's underrated i feel like because the the cost of keeping all that stuff up and the complexity over time and error yeah of course right error rates and things like that it's uh certainly we talked a little bit already about giving people time back and and sort of freeing them up to do more higher value add things like debugging interfaces or spending thousands if not many thousands of dollars right coding interfaces is you know that's that's certainly not on those higher order of magnitude kinds of things that people want to be doing. And uh, it's an important point. I think the other real difference that I see, because we talk to a lot of companies, big and small, in the space, and I get the sense of partnership with Dayforce that I don't necessarily see from many other vendors. There are a few out there, but that's, that's a big differentiator. When we talk to your customers, we hear that you are in partnership with them. You work in conjunction um, and that it's a relationship. So I'd love if you can maybe talk a little bit about that as a philosophy. I'm not, it's not a strategy, right? It is just who you are, right? Your DNA is, is that you're partners with your customers. Could you share sort of your thoughts around that? Oh, I can talk about that forever, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'm trying to think of only three things to say. Uh, the first thing I'll say, which, um, you, you should expect of somebody who does what I do is that I talk to customers all the time. I have at least five customer calls a week, always. There's slots in my calendar. We line them up every single week. And the only thing I ask when I get on the phone is I want you to get, tell me the real unvarnished truth about your experience with us. I want to know what's working. I want to know what's not yet working. And I want to understand the world that you're operating in. That's it. And then I and then I always say, now I'm not going to say anything. 
I'm just going to sit here and listen. And at the end of every week, I take those five meetings and the notes that I made and I amalgamate them into themes and I send them off to the team. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of my job. It's not just about me. We all feel that responsibility. Like we really do. And again, it roots back to this brand name change. Why do we do it? Because that's who we are. That's who this company is. And we wanted people to really understand that's in our heart and soul. And if anybody was ever confused about two names and what one meant and what the other meant, no, this is our DNA. Mm -hmm. Like we really care. That's the first. The second is, you would know this, we have 100% of our customer-facing functions under one leader in this business. Not many organizations make that decision. Right, because there's lots of touch points for a customer, right? There's there is. marketing and sales and support and service, right? Implementation, oh, yeah. right? Lots of hands get in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the conversation that Steve Holdridge, who's our president, owns all customer-facing functions and I have all the time is, Steve, I don't want to know about implementation or support. I want to understand how we're going to completely optimize that customer lifecycle so that everything that a customer says or needs or that we imagine is completely transparent throughout that entire lifecycle. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's not a renewal. It's not a renewal. It's an extension of a relationship. It's, it's an extension of a, of a promise that you made. And if you don't keep coming back saying, hey, I promised you I was going to do X and I did X, then I don't think you're really worthy of the partnership that we claim to be so good at. To me, that's the second. I don't know. And I think the third is like, listen, technology companies aren't about product. They're about understanding what's going on in the world and trying to help make things better. And so we really do view it that way. We're service. We're not, um, you know, product for product's sake. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, Lee. Because there, there are at some levels, right? There are there are a lot of great products out there. There, there, there just are, right? There's a lot of really smart people working in this industry making some really cool products. And I think it's it's under um, underemphasized some of the things you talked about, Lee. Does does my partner or my potential partner, right? Do they understand the world I'm operating in? Yeah. Do they care about it? Do can they identify with it? Right? Do they? I think they understand where the world of work may be, may be going and are they re am I ready to walk down that path with them? And then, of course, all those service touch points that you mentioned too. Super. I mentioned the platform sort of stuff is underrated in, in sort of technology evaluation. I think the post-purchase service experience and support experience is completely underrated, right? Okay. I hate to say this, but we did a great analyst briefing day here with the team uh, yesterday and, you know. The analysts will sit around the room. I'll pop fun at them, Trish. I will. Please right. do. Well, so 90% of their questions will be about the product, the product, the product. Mm -hmm. This button, that button, this feature, that feature, whatever, right? Great stuff. And it's good. And we got a great product update. No one cares about, I shouldn't say that. They don't care enough. And I'll put myself in that bucket too about really, really tell me about that support experience. Tell me about the, tell me about your customer community, right? What's happening in there? Tell me how that's benefiting customers and informing your, uh, you know, your roadmap strategies, things like that. Those those things that are not just about code, right? They're about the experience and the service level. So I think I'd encourage anybody listening to this, right? People ask us all the time, right? Oh, what's the best 
for this or what's the best for that? And I'd, I'd say they're all pretty good, <laughs> but get, get deeper than just that, just the best set of widgets and buttons and screens and get into that experience. And what's that partnership really going to be like? And that commitment, right, to, to mutual success. That's what I think we need to spend a little bit more time talking about too. I could not agree more. Let me just say like personally, and there will be people who cringe when they hear this, <laughs> maybe David, most of all, um, but I, I've been in technology for 30 years and I am not a technologist. Like, and in fact, like I understand what our product does. I can appreciate its beauty and its ease of operability. I can appreciate its integration, like meaning it's a single platform with no points of integration. Um, yeah. But technology is about whether a business got better for the world at large and for its people. Yeah. That's it. That's all it's about. That's it. So why do we care if the button is pink or purple? Yeah. What, what it's cool, but it's good to talk about that stuff, sure. certainly, but it's it can't be the only part of the conversation, I right? I, I, I'd say and that. I think that's a relief for anyone listening who's in that buying cycle or might be soon. It's you don't get caught up in thinking, oh, it's a square button or a round button or whatever. Like we've sat in so many briefings in the past where we were laughing, but like that's that's what is important often. And it's not as a user. And I think that's maybe to answer your question, Steve, about analysts. I think a lot of analysts haven't been buyers. They haven't been users. They haven't been the heads of HR. They haven't run payroll and been responsible for those things or hired or fired 50 to 100 people in a day. Like if you don't, it's almost like you don't know what to ask if you haven't lived that. So that is maybe part of it. Maybe they don't understand sometimes what service looks like. And I'm glad that you mentioned that as like an actual like third item, right? That is important because if I'm an HR leader, the whole purpose of my job is in service to the employees. That's right. Yeah. And it's the single so, number one most important thing. Do I trust that this company who happens to sell great technology, differentiated technology, will be a wonderful partner with me? Period. Will they help me do what my company needs and what my people need? Will they see around the corner from me? Will they deliver when they say they will? Will they be held to their commitment? Will they never leave me behind? That's the thing that matters. And I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I really couldn't. There's wonderful technology companies out there that build differentiated technology that may well change the world. But if you don't care that the customer comes along and that the value that you sold is realized, I, I just think you've missed the mark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in all my years of buying technology, I've never had any leader ask me the question she just said that you ask your customers. So I do think that's a differentiator for you as well in terms of how you personally operate. But I will also say that every executive I've talked to here has a similar approach, which I love the consistency. And, and again, I'm big over year over year. I look back at my notes every single time I come to any vendor. Again, I want to see have they delivered on what they said they would deliver on. I appreciate that of all of them, you all are the ones who mention here's what we told you we were going to do and here's what we did to execute on that and if if there was any little differentiation there's an explanation of why we chose to do this a little differently and so i do appreciate that that's a very rare thing to find in our industry it's so, trust yeah it's trust it's beautiful so you deliver that even to those of us who are analysts who you know i mean obviously we're here to have a very independent view of of each and every company but 
That's, yeah, these are super complex decisions, right? Yeah, Especially in large enterprises, are, right? Are. There's always a lot of, there's conflicts, there's competing kind of mm-hmm. fiefdoms in big organizations. There's some technology challenges, certainly, right? Organizations that have been a, around for a while have their own legacy technical debt just to fight fight with. So these are super complex challenges. And I guess, if anything else, I think hopefully we uh, put some more attention on like some of the bigger picture items that are that are beyond just widgets and buttons and things like that. Wow, those are important. It's really instant. Day Force. Sorry. Right. Yeah. I'm going to get that wrong. Last time. Day Force has done a pretty amazing job over the last just few years, right? In, yeah. in, in technological innovation. And it was super impressive what we saw here at, at Insights. But uh, there's more to it than that. And then, Lee, I think you articulated that as well as anybody I've heard in this industry. Oh, I so that. I do. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, to be with us today, you mentioned your customer calls. I know you're running out to go have some more customer meetings right after this call. So uh, I do appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your incredibly busy schedule to sit with us today. It's my absolute pleasure. And I will tell you, like I, um, I spend a fair bit of time having these conversations, but I would say with the two of you, it feels, um, I don't know, right and real. feels like you're really on the net of what matters. And uh, I would want you to know how much I personally appreciate that. We appreciate that. We all need to help each other get through this time. This is a wild time. Super disruptive, very generational. Mm-hmm. People need help and advice and guidance and empathy. And it's very clear that the two of you have that. And I yeah, we it. believe in it too. Thank you, Lee, for saying that. I mean, we believe in a lot of, I think, hopefully the same kind of goals you guys have, which is we want work to be better for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. We really do. And uh, and you guys just do a wonderful job supporting your customers and supporting their people, right, more importantly. So thank you for that. So yeah. can I end on a fun Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's get out. I was a practitioner for about 20 years and I'm in my last company. Unfortunately, we did not. I did not inherit a company that had... Ceridian at the time. So first time out as an analyst, one of the very first ones I went to was Ceridian. It was up in Boston. I go in, I watch the demo. This is 2015. So I mean, it's been a while, right? I immediately call my CFO, my former boss. I'm like, stop what you're doing. You must buy Ceridian. There you go. Like, here's the laundry list. Of so, and that was a long time ago, right? So I, I love just watching what I've learned since 2015 and seeing it grow and develop and just congratulations to you and the team. And um, please come back on again and talk to us and let us know how things are going. Anytime. It's going to get even more exciting. I mean, there's just so right? much to tackle. And if we can get it right, like future generations of people that come to work will not have the same obstacles that we yeah. did. That's You're going to make me want to go back into HR, Lee. I'm like, talking, yeah. <laughs> go be a payroll manager again. Absolutely. <laughs> what if, it, if I had yeah. these tools? Absolutely. Are you kidding All me? All right. We need to wrap. So uh, Lee Turner, thanks so much again. Uh, Trish Steed, great to see you. Great yes. to be in Vegas. Thanks to everybody at the win. Thanks to the team, Serene team. Some of the folks are in this room. Thank you so much for your support making this happen. We've had a wonderful experience. Uh, put some links in the show notes to some of the new, uh, new technologies, the new announcements. Uh, that's it. This has been the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. Great to uh, great to have you with us, and we'll see you next time. And bye for now. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.